Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of the crew. Myself, Gideon Fox, joined along by Dylan McCoy, Kara Palan, Mike Nichols on this fine Wednesday afternoon. How are y'all doing tonight, guys? Good. Good. Excited to be uh, excited to be on the show. Yep, doing well. You know, I'm always excited to be on the show with you guys. It's a, a Wednesday, another great edition of the crew, you know? Yeah, exactly, and plenty to talk about. Um, but we'll first go to Rutgers basketball and football recruiting news. One target that the Rutgers men's basketball team was going after was Paulie Polycap, uh, played at DePaul last year, but he just committed to West Virginia today. So he originally announced that he was going to delay his commitment uh, at some point yesterday, which kind of threw things up in the air. But now he's officially committed to West Virginia. So, you know, this kind of keeps the big question mark in the air of the Rutgers men's basketball team. You know, who's going to be who's going to play next year? You know, we, we need to go after transfers. Uh, Pikele needs to prove himself in the transfer portal. He's, he's gotten notable guys like Jacob Young got it there before. But this is a year where it really comes down to that robust transfer portal. But. You know, one guy that Rutgers had their eye on, he had plenty of Zoom calls with Rutgers, is officially going to West Virginia. So what do you guys think about that? Is there someone else you guys have your eye on in the transfer portal somewhere? I'm not uh, too up on names from the transfer portal, to be 100% honest with you. However, I will say this. People that are, uh, I see a lot of like people that are worried about Steve Peichel's recruiting and how he's doing on recruiting. Uh, there's over hundreds of names in the transfer portal right now, so I have no doubt in my mind that Peichel is going to land a guy through the transfer portal. Maybe not the guy that everyone wants, but he's a very capable recruiter. And listen, this college basketball, there's always turnover. Um, it's kind of the first big turnover in Steve Peichel's tenure, so... Uh, I'm more focused on not as much the transfer portal, but seeing how the recruits do, uh, you know, this upcoming year. This freshman class, they didn't have a lot, you know, didn't have a lot of playing time other than uh, Cliff O'Morier. Um, so I want to see how they develop next year. I also want to see, you know, Jaden Jones and Jalen Miller because those are the guys that we have for another four years. You know, these transfers are – you know, one one year type of guys, or maybe they're like Jacob Young, and two year guys. You know, someone we recruits four year guys, and I think that's where you know the core of your team is built. Yeah, I think it's another tough result uh, for the Scarlet Knights in this transfer portal. You know, having Paulie Polacap would have been a huge improvement for the team. Um, but you know, we move. And other prospects are just going to have to be looked at now. Um, the junior college prospect that's shooting like 48% from three, uh, he needs to be, you know, um, a big part of Rutgers' future plans this offseason. And I think they're just going to have to look places that they haven't looked yet because clearly, uh, you know, they're, they're going for it. But we're, we're going to need to see Coach Michael make a few signings if, if we're going to talk about this team doing what they did and it, what they've done in the past few seasons. I think um, one of the narratives, I guess, that's became uh, Coach Peichel's kind of motto is, you know, trying to get those uh, players who not a lot of people have heard about and then kind of molding them into what type of culture he's trying to build. And I think that's probably going to be seen more than ever before now that um, not especially now that we've lost kind of that core of the team um, due to transfers and it's going to be like one i i hope it turns out to be one of those things where um you know coach Peichel is able to kind of recruit lesser known names and and um mold them into the players that uh you know might fit his style better and kind of mold them into the new identity of the team right uh, i often talk about the culture of Rutgers more than their playing style because you know more often than not that's 
what I like to see in, in a team. Um, so I think that's definitely going to be uh, a challenge for Coach Peichel coming on after this offseason. But again, um, you know, like the guys had said before, it's I think that search never stops. And, and that ser- what the outcome of the search this year is going to show a lot about the coach and a lot about the efforts of the team than it will about the player that they bring on. Uh, so it'll be exciting. But again, it's all a mystery right now, I think. It, it de- it's definitely an all mystery, Kaor. And just one thing I want to say about Paulie Paulicap. Uh, first off, I think it's really cool that he went to DePaul, DePaul Paulicap, Paul Paulicap from DePaul. It's going to be a tongue twister How- for the. <laughs> nice tongue twister, right? But uh, you got a name like Paulie Paulicap. New Jersey is the place to be. I mean, he, he 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 would. I mean, I know Morgantown, West Virginia is nice. Don't get me wrong. No, no slight to them. Paulie Polacap was. He 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 was a perfect fit for the basketball team, and the name just just, you know, goes with New Jersey. Paulie, great Italian name. I know he's not an Italian kid. Polacap sounds like he's gonna you know Paulie's gonna come take a take take a kneecap, so. Would would have been great for New Jersey, just great name. Yeah, it would have, would have been a tongue twister with Paulie Pollock from DePaul with Paul McCahey on the court. But oh, yeah, it would have been a lot. That's a good. That's a good one. Paul McCahey to Paulie Pollock. Oh yeah, glad I don't have to call those games. That's on Chris. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, Mike, just like you said, like there's there's so many names in the transfer portal, you know, a lot of years, but especially this year, there's been so much movement, you know, with all the new with the with all the eligibility rules and you know, everything with the NCAA. So Rutgers is gonna get someone. You know, it's only April, almost May. We still have a ton of time. There's still gonna be, you know, I have full faith in Steve Pike that he is gonna get someone. I just think it's so hard to go into a season, you know, just not knowing who that person is gonna be and you know, Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. still have yet to hire agents, so you know there's a shot that they do come back. You know, I think personally it's a pretty good shot they come back. Um, I've only seen Ron Harper go in like one mock draft, and it was pretty late in the second round. So, you know, if they're gonna come back, we, we're still missing some depth up front. You know, we're missing. We're not gonna have Miles Johnson, so we're still gonna be looking around for you know a big man, you know, to help out Cliff, but. Michael will get somebody. It just you know, it's it just feels better to know who that person is going to be or have a better idea of who that person is going to be. Yeah, this this uh, recruiting class is far from over, uh, far from over. There's like I said, it's only April. Still recruit uh, high school seniors who are going to be freshmen next year, and uh, there's still plenty of time. You know, one question. Yeah, um... there definitely is. Oh, go ahead, K.O.R. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to say, there definitely is a lot of time. Um, but I think it is okay for Rutgers fans to kind of be like, you know, like, we we, we do need, like, there are multiple uh, holes in this team that are very obvious to us. And, you know, they do have to be filled before the season. So, it'll be interesting to see. But I think, I don't know, it's kind of a change you know, from where we thought Rutgers was going to be, especially when we got Cliff kind of getting anyone we want. The transfer portal is a, is a little bit different. Um, so we're going to have to see how the cards fall. But I do think Coach Michael can fill the holes. It's just a matter of when and who that's going to be to fill it. And I, I think real real quick through the past, uh, Coach Michael has seen really good success with the transfer portal. Maybe not to the... Uh, high volume or high amount of number of players that he's taken as transfers, but Jacob Young was a transfer. Quasi Yaboa, I know he only played for one year, but transferred from Stony Brook. So uh, Steve Michael has had success there. I was going to oh, mention, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead, Taylor. No, you go ahead, man. I was gonna say I, I was I was wondering, um, you know, with all this recruiting, who's gonna kind of be that I guess um, 
sent or I don't, I don't know what's the right word to say, but um, you know, besides Paul Mulcahy, or if it's going to be like undoubtedly Paul Mulcahy, who's going to be, I guess, that leader of the team now, um, or is that role kind of all up for grabs? I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. I mean, I personally think that the leader of the team is going to come back when he doesn't get drafted, and that's Geo Baker, because he's been a leader of this team for the past, you know, really the past four years. He's really stepped up and shaped himself into a leader. Probably the past two years is when we've really seen it the most. Um, and I think when he comes back, because I think we all know uh, he's probably not going to be drafted, you know, he has a lot of things that he doesn't have that would make him an NBA prospect. And, I mean, he's also – uh, like an older draft prospect, which doesn't help him either. But I think he is the leader of this team, um, whether he's bringing the ball down the court or not. He's the leader in the locker room. He is the heart and soul of this team. And, yeah, I think he is the leader. I don't think anyone's going to take that away from him. I think this is his program until he doesn't want it to be anymore or until yeah. he runs out of eligibility, of course. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think if he comes back, Geo Baker is the leader. But, uh. I think looking looking at the team, looking at the roster we have now, assuming Geo Baker doesn't come back, I think Paul Mulcahy is that leader in the locker room and on the court. Uh, I don't necessarily think he is like the the catalyst, like the the top scorer type of guy that I think Kor is really looking for, uh, or someone who's going to really make a big improvement. I, I think Cliff is going to make a huge jump, and I also look at you know one of those freshmen. One of those freshmen, uh, Coach Pichel was high on that freshman class, and uh, they didn't get a lot of time. And I, I, I expect one of them to step up. I don't know who's going to be. Uh, my guess going to be Moat Mag Mag. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name correctly. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a really tough question. Dylan, would you classify Geo Baker uh, as a bucket? Not a walking bucket, but a bucket. <laughs> At times, he's a very inconsistent bucket. Much like the rest of the team. Um, you know, there are some games where Geo looks like he can drop 25 points, and there are some games where Geo looks like he's going to drop seven. It's just, that's just kind of how he plays. Like, you kind of have to um, be okay with that. But, I mean, he's also always good on defense, which is something that's nice that you can rely on. Um, and he's always going to give, you know, 150% on the court. He will never, ever take a playoff. So he's not necessarily a bucket, but at times he's definitely, when he's hot, he's hot. Well, I mean, on the topic of someone else, you know, putting their all on the court and going back to what Mike was saying before, you know, Paul Mulcahy is the leader in that sense. And he's not, you know, the offense doesn't really flow through him in the sense that it flows through Gio who could shoot. Um, you know, when he's hot, he could shoot. You know, Paul McKay, he could hit the corner three every so often, but the type of play that, that Paul McKay, he shows, he plays bigger than his size. He's not afraid of, of contacting the paint from much bigger players. He, you know, there's that whole, that stretch of games where he was wearing a mask because of his nose, and he had a dislocated pinky, and he only talked about it after the game was over. So, you know, when you have a guy like that, who it doesn't even matter how much, how much scoring they're going to do, you know, when you have a guy like that that's going to play a significant amount of the game, that just elevates the whole play of the entire team, regardless of what Paul Mulcahy puts on the stat sheet. Oh, you, you nailed it on the head, uh, Gideon. And it's something that I... Paul Mulcahy is 110% a coach in the future, a successful coach. He... Uh, you could tell, even as a freshman that he was almost like a similar Geo Baker, but he was an extension of Coach Pichel on the court. Uh, he, he is 100% the extension of Coach Pichel on the court now, but I think he's going to be a very successful coach in the future. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I mean, you could just tell the way. He, the way he sees the court and the way he makes passes, he just sees the game of basketball and you know in a way that only so few people do, you know. And those people are the ones that are end up being the bench bosses and staying on the sidelines. Which, I you know, Paul McKay is, is so essential to this Rutgers team now. But yeah, Mike, I'm definitely with you that regardless of where Paul goes 
after college and, you know, whether or not he gets into coaching. And if he does get into coaching, I think he just has such a special way of seeing the game and he knows how an offense works and he knows where to put the ball and when. You know, that's just so key in an offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Paul Mulcahy, you know, is one of these guys that is always going to be there uh, on the court. You know, I, I think I think people on other teams will call him kind of an instigator. He likes he likes riling other people up. You know, uh, he plays in a very very gritty, very determined way. Um, and I definitely think he has the capability of stepping up this season and um, being a big part of this Rutgers offense and this team overall to, uh, you know, be a, be a big part of it. Well, looking to the future just a little bit more, um, Rutgers today offered someone in the class of 2022 named Ben Stolzberg out of Southern California Academy. Um, he's a point guard. He's 6'4", 190. He also has offers from Boston College, Nebraska, Northwestern, Pepperdine, and, you know, as well as Rutgers. So, you know, I didn't hear about this this kid before today, uh, but ever since he posted on his Twitter that he got an offer from Rutgers, and I'm kind of digging into him, and he looks like an all-around player. He looks like a guy who could run the ball um, or push the ball up the court, you know, and, and dish out for threes, kick out for threes, you know, as well as come back and play defense. So, you know, already looking to the future, looking way ahead of this year and even next year. You know, just looking at what Rutgers has, hopefully in their in their recruiting pipeline. Isn't Coach Peichel is always doing work? Uh, he's always doing his due diligence everywhere. So, uh, if there's one thing I know about Coach Peichel is to never count him out. Yeah, I mean, if Pike were able to get this guy, Ben Stolzberg, uh, in 36 games played last year, he averaged 21.5 points. He had 3.3 assists, 5.8 rebounds, 5.1 steals. So, you know, that'd be great. Having a guy who sort of, you know, was someone who's playing varsity in California, you know, a top school in California, putting up 21.5 points a game would be a huge get for Rutgers. Oh, for sure. For sure. And also, I don't know if you guys saw, but the women's team, too, uh, made a couple of signings. They got some people out of the transfer portal, someone from JUCO. So stuff is happening. You know, teams are looking to next season. You know, people are getting ready. But for the women's team, they got someone out of junior college. She was at Salt Lake City Community College, uh, Awa Sidibe. I hope I pronounced that right. In 21 games, she had 17.4 points, 6.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and 2.4 steals. And she led Salt Lake to their eighth consecutive SWAC regular season title. So, I mean, this is a proven player who's coming to a Rutgers women's basketball team that's depleted. You know, hopefully, I mean, it looks like she is starting potential, you know, because the team is so depleted and because she's put up great numbers in JUCO. You know, but good to see that the teams are, you know, already making moves and getting ready for next season. Yeah, you know, with the... Kind of cool how with college sports, um, you know, as soon as the season ends, it's like another one starts. Like, you know, with, with professional sports, kind of like free agency, but free agency lasts like, you know, you got the big signings after like the first week and a half, it's like really slow. But the recruiting process is like a whole nother season in itself, and it's, you know, like a, like a six month deal long. Know four month long, the season just ended, and we're not gonna know who's being recruited, who's gonna transfer where until possibly you know June sometimes. Yeah, and I think we see that you know this year more than ever, just with all the moves that are happening, all the players, you know, just going all over the place. But it's also interesting too because you know when it comes to recruiting for colleges, you. you you could kind of, you know, players that are notable kind of get on college's radars when maybe they're sophomores or juniors in co- in high school. 
you know, they're playing at prolific high schools. Their name's just kind of out there. So, you know, the names are in the general world, and it's always interesting to see, you know, two years down the line after they've proven themselves in high school where they eventually sign. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting how uh, in the social media world, how uh, these kids who are like 16 years old become, uh, you know, like famous on like social media because of uh, because of their highlights. You know, that was never a thing, you know, five, ten years ago. It's really interesting how social media has played a big part in this recruiting aspect recruiting prospect also and that will take us to our first break of the wednesday edition of the crew but keep it locked to wrsu fm new brunswick and wrsu.org for more WRSU is your home for Rutgers baseball. Catch every home game live from Baton Field as head coach Steve Owens and the Scarlet Knights look to push forward in Big Ten action. Catch it all only on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. WRSU Sports, the most exciting voice in Rutgers athletics. Don't believe us? Just ask. Hi, this is Pat Hobbs, athletic director here at Rutgers University, and you're listening to WRSU-FM New Brunswick, broadcast home of the Rutgers Athletic Scarlet Knights. Melton breaking free inside the 10, 5, he's in the end zone. Touchdown, Scarlet Knights. Mathis rises, flushes, right hand tomahawk, let's go. Taking the snap is Levis, pressure does come, and he gets tripped up at the 29-yard line. Told you. Welcome back to the WRSU Wednesday crew. Gideon Fox, along with Dylan McCoy, Kaor Palan, and Mike Nichols, bringing you our favorite segment, Locks of the Week. You know, really, it's Locks of the Night. But nevertheless, it's always a fun thing, always always trying to figure out, you know, where we're spending our money tonight. But do you guys have a lock that you are ready to go? Unfortunately, I've been a little bit. Uh, I've been I've been holding back a little bit. Uh, I have a nice Atlantic City trip coming up this weekend, so trying to save my money for in-person gambling. Even worse. Even even absolutely even worse. I'm excited though. I still haven't been yet to a casino, so. Ooh. Believe, believe it or not, I I've. They, I'm 22. They're I still dangerous. haven't been. I believe you. I'm like, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> oh man, oh man, I've had many oh, trips, funny. a lot, a lot of fun times, a, a lot of stories. Yeah, I'm 22. I yeah. haven't been to one in the U.S., but I've been to one in Canada or multiple ones in Canada, and they are dangerous. I do agree. Dylan, Dylan, if you have a time, uh. Cause you know it's free drinks while you're you know you're at the table and whatnot. So uh, I heard they got rid of that. Nah, they they, they can't get rid of COVID. They might have got rid of that because of COVID, but I don't know. Last time I was there, it was pre-COVID. I don't know, but okay, I have a lock now. Sorry, that was kind of to buy myself time. Um, but my lock of night is gonna be Golden State tonight. They're playing Washington. They play the Wizards. Uh. Russell Westbrook, probably going to get a triple-double. That's not what I'm betting on. Uh, the Warriors are minus two, and I am betting on them on the precipice that Steph Curry is going to drop 45 points. So I like the Warriors minus two, 
because Steph has been playing out of his mind. His stats are coming up to, you know, they're 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 reflecting his 2014 unanimous MVP stats. It's, it really is getting close. Um, he's having a fantastic season. He's doing remarkable, historic things from behind the arc. Uh, so I like the Warriors tonight, minus two. Dylan, if you think um, Steph Curry is going to drop 45 points tonight, I believe there's like a boost off handle for him to drop over 40 plus. Hmm, interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to yeah. take a look about it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if it, if it included the Warriors to win or not, but I definitely saw something like that. But uh, yeah, my lock of the night is going to be, I like the Hawks at their favorite by a point and a half. Uh, I like that. I know the Knicks are on like a seven game win streak and right now, but uh, all streaks have to come to an end. And I think it's going to come tonight. Dang. You, you stole my lock, Mikey. Not like this. Oh, boy. What do I do now? Here we go. We scramble, and uh, we throw even more money today. Uh, got the Bulls. Like a quarterback in the pocket. Just just, yeah. just, just scramble. Just scramble. Look look for an open receiver. We've got we've got the Bulls at minus two um, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I think that should be a uh, pretty close matchup, but uh, I like the way the Bulls have been playing, especially after getting... Uh, Mr. Vucevic. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how him and Zach Levine still operate together, but I think it should be a pretty good matchup. So, I'll take the Bulls favored by minus two. I'll take that minus two at minus 112. And I'm going to have to go with the New Jersey Devils taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you saw this last night, but the Devils went down 6 nothing going into the third, scored three goals, Pittsburgh scored one, and then we scored another three goals, and the final score was 7-6. Uh, I, I did see it, yes. Uh, it was, it was uh, I, I didn't watch it, but I was getting alerts on my phone. It was, it seemed wild. Yeah, it's wild, and the Devils who have not been so hot as of late. They've been losing a lot of their games, but they've been high-scoring games. You know, going back, um, looks like they're on a nine-game losing streak now, but they put up six goals, three goals, three goals, got shut out, but then they put up another four goals. So they're scoring a lot. They just can't play any defense, and you know, they always get beat by another goal or two. So the over-under, six-and-a-half, um, that's whatever those, the line is for that. Take it tonight because I feel like the Devils are probably going to lose um, but they will put up an offensive fight, and since the Devils are going to lose, I would also take the Pittsburgh Penguins at minus 265. But that will take us to the end of Locks of the Week. But keep it locked to WRSU FM New Brunswick and WRSU.org for more. My name is Kara Plan, and here is your first WRSU sports update. The Rutgers baseball team heads to Michigan this week and to take on the Wolverines in three matchups, one on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday each. The Knights sit at an even 500 with a record of 12-12 and as they look to get back to their winning ways. The MLB continues today as the hometown Yankees host the Braves with David uh, Corey Kluber back on the mound. With first pitch set at 6.35 p.m., the Mets travel to Chicago to take on the Cubs with David Peterson on the mound with their first pitch set at 7.40 p.m. The NBA continues tonight as the Brooklyn Nets are playing the Toronto Raptors in a primetime matchup starting at 7 p.m. And the the Knicks look to boost their record as they travel to Atlanta to take on the Hawks with their tip-off set at 8 p.m. Keep it locked as the crew continues here on WRCU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRC.org.
Back to the Wednesday edition of The Crew. Myself, Gideon Fox, along with Dylan McCoy, Mike Nichols, and K.R. Pallon. So some big news out of the MLB is that the New York Yankees finally won a game. You know, I know it's against the Braves, but Dylan, you know, we still have a long series against the Braves to go. But, what you know, what did you take from that win yesterday? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I took that the Yankees actually can win a baseball game, which is surprising in 2021. But nice to see. Um, you know, I took that. I think season is going to go how it's going to go. You know, it, it's April. I, I said it a couple days ago, but I'll say it again. It's April 21st. You know, you can only worry so much about your performance after 16 games in a 162-game season. You know, you do have to let the season play out at some point, as much as the New York media would love to describe the demise of the Yankees, you know, as they seem to try to be doing in the post and all that. But it's a long season. You know, talent usually wins over. Um, I think the Yankees still are, have to be the preeminent favorites to win the AL East. They're, you know, I just said it, but they're so talented. Um, but we'll have to see. You know, ultimately, I think, you know, if we can win a series against a team like Atlanta, who has the NL MVP right now in Ronald Acuna, you know, that that's a great sign. That's a great sign for, for a team like the Yankees. But, you know, ultimately, the series-to-series performance is not not the hugest deal in April you ultimately just have to look at trends. And I think the trends aren't there yet for me to say that the Yankees are going to be like a bad team this season. I don't think anyone, you know, who really knows about the game of baseball is already saying that the Yankees are not a playoff team because they still, they, they, they still have to be. I mean, we haven't even finished April yet. Have you, uh, did you guys see how exactly the Yankees won yesterday? I have heard it was a, it was a passed ball, I believe, and then a walk. Yes, it was a wild pitch and awesome. then a walk. Awesome, but awesome. Thank you, Travis listen, Aronaud. I'll take it. That's what I'm no saying. I'll take here. whatever comes the way, right? Uh, but I, that's the, I completely, I couldn't echo Dylan's words more because I think nowadays, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan. You you give me crap about when uh the Mets won because Mike <laughs> well, Porto put his elbow out. Well, listen. What the heck is that? What's that? We didn't, we didn't lean into the pitch, all right. This yeah, is all part yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. You said you just said a win's a win. I'll take it any way I can get it. That's exactly what I said. What is going on? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, that seems like a natural way to win a baseball game, though. Wins a win. That's it. Now don't give me crap about it, and then come back and say it's something the same they're exact two, thing about your two, team. They're two extremely, extremely different. No, they're scenarios. not. I, I don't care. A win yes, is a win. Period. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm, listen, I'm not complaining about anymore. Trust me, I'm fine with it. Like the Marlins aren't making the playoffs, and they're not missing the playoffs by one game. They're missing the playoffs by 20 games. So, it's, it, it, it was an April game. You know, it happened. I didn't like it at the time, but, I mean, I'm not complaining about it. The Mets are going to make the playoffs whether they win that game or not win that game. Well, as long as the Mets play enough games that aren't rained out or snowed out or whatever, they could definitely make the playoffs. That's also true. They're on pace to play about 85 games, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if the Yankees beat the Braves in any fashion, it's fine. It's a win. And Dylan, just like you said, it's April. Um, and, like, as much as you kind of just want to throw it in, you really can't. You know, don't listen. You know, like you said with the media, and they're trying to, you know, project the Yankees as kind of falling apart. They're not that injured besides for, like, Luke Voigt and Severino, who were injured before the season started. So we kind of anticipated going into the season without them. You know, they just they just uh, finished the top of the first, didn't let up any runs against the Braves. Um, but you know what? If this is a series that it takes them to finally get going, like, that's fine. You know, if, if it took them to the end of April to get going, that's completely fine. It's only spring. We're not even close to summer yet. We have plenty of time for the Yankees to, you know, to get hot. Plenty of time for our, our bats to get hot. Uh, I think our pitching will always be there, but once the bats get hot and the pitching improves, you know, 
kind of an, a pretty high overall team ERA right now. But, you know, once things get rolling for the Yankees, they could easily rise to the top of the AL East. Right now they're five games back. Uh, Toronto's four and a half games back. So there is progress that needs to be made. Uh, and they do, do, you know, they, they do have to put some effort into that. But, Dylan, just like you said, and you keep saying, it's it's only April. You know, there's so much that could happen over this long season. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's unrealistic to think that. I, I don't know if this is still the case, but I looked it up two days ago on the show. And, I mean, half the Yankees' starting lineup was batting under 200. And, I mean, that that's just that's just an unrealistic trend, um, you know, for the rest of the season. I'll, I'll go on Baseball Reference again um, as we speak, you know. I'll shout out Baseball Reference. It might be the best site on the entire internet. It's so much better than the other reference sites, too, the way it's just run. Um, let me see. Uh, okay, yeah, there's still a bunch of guys hitting under – Hitting under 200, which is not good. D. Dillamay, he was reached 300, which, you know, surprises nobody. Does not surprise me, at least. But, yeah, you know, like I was saying before, these are just unrealistic trends right now. You know, they're just having a, a very bad start to the season. I mean, honestly, I'm getting just Mark Teixeira vibes. Because Mark Teixeira would do this every season. He'd have a horrible April. He was really good in March for some reason. When we had, like, the one game in March, he'd always be amazing. He was awful in April every year, though. And then he'd be one of the best first basemen in the league. So, you know, it's a long season. I think it's hard for people to kind of remember because last year we had a sprint, 60 games, but 162 games, you know. Yankees have played 16 games. They're a tenth of the way through the season. So they have nine more stretches of 16 games to be better. And I think they will be better. I mean, right now, people are saying the Yankees are so bad it forced Jay Bruce into retirement. I've been I've been seeing that a lot. I've been seeing that a lot. <laughs> I mean, he was just forced into retirement because, like, the Yankees said he, he they just, Boone just said he wasn't going to play. So I kind of respect him for just retiring, knowing that he was just not going to play. But, yeah. Yeah, I'll give him props it's, for that. I mean... You know, it's tough play, to see a player behind. go in the beginning of the season like that. It's kind of weird. Yeah, see, I never, I don't remember a player retiring this early. If it wasn't, you know, for a scary injury or anything like that, you know, just a player retiring. I mean, Jay Bruce the is only... at the end of his career. He, he had a great career up until now. Like, he's played plenty of baseball. He's going to go down as, you know, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to, he's going to, like. Hall of very good. Exactly, yeah. That's what he said the other night. Like, he will remember, he'll be remembered around the MLB, like. He had a great career, and you know, start. You know, DJ Lemayhu as a Yankees fan, I would much rather have DJ Lemayhu starting over Jay Bruce. So, like you said, respect to Jay Bruce. He understands, you know, what's happening. Why, you know, what's the point in sitting on the bench on the bench for a whole season? You know, not really doing anything. I know you're not going to do anything too. It's not like Aaron Boone left the door open and gave Bruce a chance. You know, and left the door open to Bruce maybe getting a chance to come in at some point. Kind of made it pretty clear. Yeah, um, you know, not that the Yankees have a much better option at second in Runetto Door, but (coughs) excuse me, sorry. Uh, Ultimately, I think, you know, like I'm saying before, you know, with every win, I think I think the panic button starts to subside a little bit, and rightfully so because, you know, I I think. I think the Yankees just have to be the favorites in the NL East still. You know, the Red Sox are not going to win the NL East. I don't care if they're 12-6. and six. I, I don't care. They're, they're going to finish last or second to last. Yeah, I don't, think the Yankee, I don't think the Yankees are going to win the NL East either. The, a, the AL East. The AL East. <laughs> I, if this Boston team comes within even third, I'll be surprised. By the end of the season. But we'll have to see. But ultimately, I think the Yankees are in a... They're, they're fine. They're fine. Just weird to uh, see the Baltimore I, Orioles so much higher up in the standings. Yeah, it's it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I hear some fear in your voice, Dylan. It's not fear. I think it's... I think it's... Wet. I think it's... Uh, 
not necessary panic, but like deservedly so panic. Because I feel like these Yankees are like the extreme of what they usually are. Like right now, they're like a they're like a home run or lose team. Like they, they right now they don't win unless they like put two balls into the stands like per game, which is like that is not a sustainable business model if you're trying to win a hundred games. Which the Yankees are trying to win a hundred games, or at least win the, enough to win the division. You know, it's, it's not sustainable. Uh, it makes me a little bit nervous, but. I don't know. I I still don't think worrying about, you know, where we're going to be in October on April 21st is healthy or uh, viable. Definitely not healthy. But if this does keep being the case, I could see a lot of moves next year. Like, if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, Aaron Boone will be fired. I think that's pretty automatic. Uh, I think they probably clean house, too. Maybe a new general manager if they don't make the playoffs. It's possible. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's impossible at this point. Like even you know if you know if this season is a complete wash, then yeah, I mean, clearing house is totally possible. But also, if this season you know, this is just a fluky, you know, terrible way to start the season, and the Yankees turn it around in grand fashion. I mean, they'll probably turn it around in some fashion, but if they turn this around in grand fashion and go on a tear and maybe win the AL East or, or get close, like, you know, maybe this could be the sign of, of the future in New York. I can't wait to see the Yankees play really well at the end of the regular season and then lose to someone in October that they should beat. Because that's what happens. That's just what happens. Like... I understand that the Rays were very well run last year, and they're analytically one of the best teams in baseball. And they're relief, they're relieving their relievers last year. Like they worked together incredibly, but the Yankees should beat that team. With with the amount of talent and the amount of payroll we have, we should beat that team, and we didn't. Um, that's a failure for the Yankees. That series is a failure. Um, and you know, I think. You know, this team should be built to win championships. And if they're not winning championships, there has to be serious questions asked about the guys, you know, who are at the top. And, I mean, Brian Cashman has been the GM for as long as I can remember. And, I mean, he doesn't have a great, great amount to show for it, you know, compared to other Yankees GMs in the past. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. But, I don't know. Part of me just expecting another ALCS like upset by somebody. It's just it's just like the nature of being a Yankees fan at this point. Which yes is a lot better than a lot of teams' nature of being a fan. If you're a Seattle Mariners fan, you're expecting about sixty wins this year, but it's annoying when you get so close and you can't ever reach the mountaintop. You know, it's a yeah, struggle. Yeah, I know. I know it's annoying when the mountaintop just isn't viewable. Yeah, I mean, I think right now the Yankees and Mets are both World Series contenders, but at the same time, I just think there are teams who are better than them in both. I don't like. I don't know if I can put a team together that's like better than the Yankees on paper, but. There are just teams that might work better in October. They might work better in a five-game series or a seven-game series. And, I don't know, it's hard to trust the Yankees the way they play because they are very boom or bust. They're very go-yard. I think think there's better lineups in baseball than the Yankees on paper. I can think of two right now, and they're both in the NL West. The Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah. Honestly, the Mets might have a better lineup, too. I really like the uh, put together. I would, I would, I might it's agree close. with you. It's close. I might agree with you if the Mets lineup was hitting well right now. They're they're not, they're not hitting that well right now. I wish I wish the Yankees had a guy like. I mean, I guess we do have a guy like McNeil and, and DJ Mayhew, but then you got guys like Conforto who's gonna hit like two seventy, have like a. 390, 400 on base percentage. Like, the Yankees don't really have that guy in their lineup that, that has those kind of numbers um, besides DJ. But I think the Mets having a couple guys who are 
on base merchants is is huge for them. Yeah, I mean Brandon Nimmo, guy gets on base like hit like sprints to first the time. Yeah, <laughs> I never get, I never get over that. I just think that's he, hilarious. He sprint to first after a walk. He's too happy for me. Yeah, my my cynical self doesn't enjoy seeing. It. I mean, I don't not enjoy it, but I definitely when he runs to first, I'm like, bro, like what what do, what are you doing? Like like just, like he, walk- he sprint. He sprints the first base after a walk with the biggest smile on his face. I want to just, like, uh, if he played for any other team, I'd want to smack him. Like, yeah, life I is can not that say, good. I, I, I bet as a Mets fan, you can kind of tolerate it. But as an outsider watching, like, I hate, I do not like Brandon Nemo. Like, I don't like watching him play baseball. But... You know, I get it. You know, you want to get the first in a timely manner. I understand. You don't want to think the other. You don't want Dude. to break an unwritten rule, so you're just gonna sprint. <laughs> I guess I no, get it. No, you know, you know what's worse is when he hits a home run. The guy sprints around the bases. Oh yeah. Take the trot, like just take the trot. Like no one's gonna. Yeah, be mad like it's like, it's, dude, you it's can, not you an can... unwritten rule thing. Like, and it's funny because I don't even think, like, when he hits a home run, I don't think he goes three-quarter speed. I think he just goes, like, choo. Just full speed? Like, just, just like, I'm trying to press the scouts. Like, what scouts? Yeah. In the MLB. Yeah. yeah, like, I think he's just out. Yeah. I mean, are you going to complain, though, if he does that 20 times a season? Not at all. But, I mean, exactly. I'm still going to complain, like, that he smiles too much, and that like, uh, I, maybe I'm just jealous because like my life sucks, and he has a good life. That he's happy after he walks to first base. You know who's really happy today? Mike Trout. He just hit another home run. He's got six now. He's got two in two days. I I, I was talking about this all fair with Gideon. Um, as a pitcher, it has to be scary when the best player in baseball says that his swing is not all the way there yet. Um, and he's still raking like Mike Trout is. So, yeah, it has to. I would be terrified if I had to play the Angels as a pitcher. Probably walk Trout twice, give up a home run, and maybe strike him out one time. If I was an MLB capable pitcher, of course. Well, l- let's look at that Angels lineup real quick, Dylan. Uh, you think that lineup could potentially be better than a Yankees lineup? Um. I just don't really think – I don't think the bottom – like, after the first, like, five, the lineup is kind of awful. I mean, who is their – is Pujols their five? Because that's not great either. Oh, no, 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 Their three, four, five is probably Trout. Like, Trout, Rendon, Otani. I don't know how they – they do it in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, but who, I think, who's the, like, who, didn't they just sign an outfielder also? Maybe. I mean, I would Last say – I don't know. It's hard to say that a lineup is better than a lineup with Mike Trout in it because he he like that's literally the best player in baseball. Um, and they have two other guys who. I don't know if Otani's like an MVP candidate, but he he's a candidate to have an amazing season. And Rendon is an MVP candidate. Um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I think it's close as well. I think the Yankees might be a little bit more well-rounded. I think DJ LeMahieu is a better version of David Fletcher at the top of the lineup. Um, but you know, the guys in the middle, you know, it's hard to yeah, say like, judge and stand right now because, you know, they're not producing the way Trout and Otani are right now. So I'd say they, right now yeah, they, probably could be the Angels. They got, but I'd say they got someone they, like, they uh, like, sorry, I think like they got someone like Justin Upton batting sixth usually. That's the, yeah, yeah. Solid. They usually have pools in the middle of that lineup though, just cause they're still paying him like $30 million. Um, and, and that uh, kind of hurts. Got, that hurts their lineup. They got this guy like, Jared Walsh right now. He's yeah, he's been having a good season. He's been having uh, a good season. I think he had a couple walk offs in the first like week. Yeah, he's been having a. Uh, yeah, so he's been having a definitely good year. the top six is is solid. I mean, dude, they got guys at the bottom of the lineup in you know two eighties. Uh, Shebler in left field. Uh. Well, then they're better than the Yankees right now because the Yankees have, like, four players hitting under 200 in their starting lineup. 
so. Yeah, must suck be a Yankee fan. Oh, uh, you were born after like 1991 or like 1993, I guess. Yeah, because you didn't get to see. You missed the best. Teams Shut in your mouth. You, I missed the best team Shut in Yankees your history mouth. by like five years. That's not fair. I don't care. Why is, it fa- Why is it fair that I missed? What do you mean? What do you mean? It's not. Yeah, it's not fair. I was born a Jets fan. It's not fair. All right, I'll just. You know what? I ne- I can never win this game of like like the game always the game with us always becomes like who suffers more and you always win because you're a Mets and Jets fan. <laughs> Like, I, you, you just, you talk like you're in such pain and suffering, and I'm like, I mean, you, you're it's like, just, you're like, yeah, it, you go, every, yeah, it really everyone sucks. Puts these, Bro, like, you just said, Dylan, it's like, like every Yankee fan if you're born after like 93. Bro, they won a title in 2000 and they won a title in what, 2009? I don't count, I didn't see the one in 2000. So, I don't, oh, count. you didn't I saw see the one, the one in 2000? You want, you, want my me- you, want, you want to know my memory of, of 2000, Dylan? One. Dylan, so I was four years old in 2000, and my mom was a Yankees fan, and my dad is a Mets fan. And we were at the game when the Yankees beat the Mets in the Subway Series. It's pretty awesome that you were there. I mean, I know, like, they lost, but that's a cool, that's a cool sports memory that you always have. I mean, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember a lick of it. All I remember is oh. my dad like, telling the story. Like, all I know is my dad's uh. always telling the story. Like, my mom wanted to stay, and my dad's like, get out of here. I'm not watching this a-hole jump jump around the field. And then I'm like, who's the a-hole? He's, he's like, Derek Jeter. I'm like, why you got to pick him? I'm like, they got a bunch of other, like, like Derek Jeter's a good guy. Like, come on. Derek Jeter is like, Derek Jeter was known throughout his whole career as, like, the good guy. Amazing. I can't. His his reputation was probably the cleanest sports reputation I've ever seen in New York. Like well, no one yeah, had a bad yeah. word to say about him. Dude, dude, I I will agree with you. Well, uh, we got we got to get the out the hourly. Uh, it's seven o'clock right now, right on WRSU. Something like 7 that. Seven o'clock on eighty-eight point seven WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Bang! Did we get it in, Gideon? I mean that that works for me. Hopefully that works for. Mr. Sakonis and the FCC. But right. that should be good. I mean, we go to a quick break. Uh, we could come back right after this, but keep it locked for the second hour of the Wednesday edition of The Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. <laughs> 